Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hi, podcast fam. So excited to be here for this episode recording today. This is a topic that I've gotten a lot of questions about since becoming a parent and we, I was talking about it on Instagram and we got a lot of requests for a full breakdown of what we're doing and the logistics of what it looks like when it comes to sleep and specifically co-sleeping bed sharing um, is what I'll likely be calling it because I don't want to risk confusion of co-sleeping where in America now they consider just like sleeping in the same room co-sleeping as opposed to in the bed. So I'll call it bed sharing. I also have, oh, hi here with me today. <laughs> he is basically almost asleep on my chest. Um, and so we'll see how much of this we can get through in part one, and then we can do a part two if I need to. And also they are paving the road outside of my house today. (laughs) So I'm hoping you can't really hear that, but I was like, you know what, we're going to take advantage of this prime nap opportunity and make it happen. Because when I was, when I was pregnant and I was looking for information about bed sharing, I found it hard to come by, especially on podcasts. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, just a recounting of what we're doing can be really supportive and serving for anyone who's considering how they want to sleep with their baby. So just a reminder that this is not medical advice. And I would encourage you to make your own decisions based on research that you've done, talking with your care providers and or doing research on your own outside of your care providers, because unfortunately I feel like in the United States, care providers are not typically supportive of bed sharing, but what I will be sharing today is my experience, what I've learned, and it is not medical advice. And a quick note about safety. I personally feel that bed sharing is the safest option for all of us, for my entire family, um, including my son. I deeply believe that this is the safest sleep setup for him. And there's a really great resource for more information on bed sharing in general, but also about safety. We'll link it in the show notes. It's a great book. It's called Safe Infant Sleep by James McKenna. And you'll see in this book, how safe bed sharing can actually reduce the risk of SIDS and how planning for bed sharing, even if you don't plan to do it all the time is really smart. The The majority of accidents that happen when it comes to bed sharing that are devastating, obviously, are when parents are not prepared to bed share. And what ends up happening is a lot of people end up doing it because 
it's the only way they're getting any sleep and they're not set up for safe bed sharing or they're falling asleep on the couch or in a rocker because they're so exhausted instead of taking the baby to a safe sleep sleep space like their bed um, if it was set up for safe bed sharing. So it is really, I think, valuable to learn about even if you're not planning on bed sharing all the time. Um, and that book is just an incredible resource for all the nitty gritty details on safety with tons of studies backed up and just amazing. I mean, I'm not even going to touch on it in today's episode, but some really incredible statistics in that book about how infants who bed share grow up to be preschoolers who are more independent, who make friends easier, who, you know, have better attachment, like so much juicy goodness. So really highly recommend safe infant sleep if you're at all interested in this. So let's get into the details first. Um, I want to talk about why we love bed sharing so much. We are four months into this journey. We never bought a crib. We never bought a bassinet. We were always planning on bed sharing from the first moment that he was born and we did. Um, and the first reason that I love it is we all get more sleep and more rest. Every single one of us. Oh, doesn't cry in the middle of the night. If he, when he wakes up, he wakes me up really gently. It's less shocking for all of our systems. You know, I'm not having to get out of bed to pick him up. Who's already, by the time he's signaling, you know, worked up and upset, and we're not having to resettle him to sleep in that way. If he wakes up to eat, he gently, you know, just as kind of stirring and taps me, I wake up, I put him back, you know, on the breast nursing is really easy. We both fall back asleep without having to do anything else, except for just lay there. I fall back asleep pretty much immediately after latching him. Um, and from the beginning, I feel like you know, of course, every baby is different. And oh, definitely does wake up to eat several times at night. And from the beginning, this has felt really sustainable for all of us. You know, I think my husband and I both were really nervous as I think most first time parents are even not first time parents about the sleep component. And this has really made it possible for all of us to be pretty well rested the entire time. Um, and you know, we can just tell that Ohi sleeps so much better when he's with us too. And you'll actually learn in safe infant sleep about how babies, when they're sleeping close to their parents, their heartbeat regulates to match that of their parents, their breath regulates to match that of their parents. This is some of the ways that it's protective against SIDS. Um, and so, and I like really noticed that I remember in the beginning, I, you know, I had nursed Ojai and in the beginning I wasn't doing sideline nursing as much. And so, and he was having a little bit of reflux. And so I would have to like nurse him and then sit up with him for about 15 or so minutes, which was still so much better. Cause I never had to get out of bed, you know, from like whatever time I decided I was going to bed to whatever time we were waking up, I never left the bed. And that really, really helped. I never had to turn on lights. I never had to move. I mean, it was just really supportive. But so I wasn't always feeding in the sideline position in the beginning. And I remember once, you know, I was trying to settle Ohi to sleep. And my husband was like, Stephanie, when you go to sleep, he goes to sleep. And it was so true. Like when I fell asleep, he would fall asleep with me. Um, and I really think it's because of the way that our bodies are regulating each other's. Um, and babies tend to sleep a lot better when they're close to a caregiver. So the first reason we love it is we're all sleeping a lot more. We're all getting a lot of rest. 
And it feels just so sustainable in terms of how much sleep we're getting. And it's really sad for me when I talk to a lot of people who are just so sleep deprived and so exhausted. And I feel like it robs them of so much of the joy of early parenthood. And for so, you know, I'm in a Facebook group. I'll talk about it a little bit later about co-sleeping and so many people, you know, thousands of people sharing their experience of how once they leaned into bed sharing and leaned into co-sleeping, it was a total game changer. And so, you know, I think that there's just a lot of fear mongering going on when it comes to this. And it's something that we should just be talking about more. And I had, uh, when we went and saw friends around, I was like six weeks postpartum, I guess. And we went and saw, uh, a couple that we're friends with and they had a, a, I mean, now she's probably almost a year, but at the time she was like a nine month old baby. And we were talking about sleep and I just shared, you know, yeah, we're bed sharing and it goes well. And she was like, wow, thank you so much for saying that. I think it's this thing that like, we're all afraid to say, and we did it a few times, but we felt so guilty about it. And the reality is, is so many people are doing it. And even if they're not doing it all the time, they're doing it part of the time, which is like kind of the same thing. And I just think that we really need to be more transparent about it. So I'm really trying to um, give you guys all of the information that I can while also encouraging you to, you of course, to do your own research. But what I will say from my experience and from anecdotal experience with, uh, you know, other people I know who are doing it or on these Facebook groups that I'm a part of people who bed share tend to get more sleep. And there actually are scientific studies that show that people who bed share do sleep more and report less sleep deprivation overall. Um, and so yes, every baby is different, but I definitely know we are sleeping more. I mean, my husband and I would just like look in at each other and be like, can you imagine if we had to like go and put him in a separate space, he'd probably like wake up and then we'd be start all over again. Whereas he can just drift off right next to us. So number one, we're all getting way more sleep and more rest. The second reason that I am loving bed sharing is that the snuggles are just so delicious. I mean, I can't even tell you how yummy it is to snuggle with him throughout the night and in the morning and when we're going to bed. And it just, I really feel has supported our family and bonding and connecting. And, you know, as I mentioned before, Ohio's not, doesn't cry at all in the middle of the night and knock on wood, but you know, because we're there before he needs to cry. Like instead of having to signal to us with crying, we're able to pick up on other things. If he needs us, you know, the little stir a little bit where he's kind of like tapping me, if he needs a little bit of help moving gas, or if he just needs to eat, I can see all of that before it turns into crying and it makes night times so yummy, right? I look forward to going to bed. I look forward. I remember when my sister-in-law had a baby, she was saying how she would dread the evenings because it was just like this feeling coming up of, oh my goodness, like, here we go. And I'm so grateful to say that I've had the opposite experience. Excuse me. (laughs) I've had the opposite experience because these snuggles are just so yummy. It is so delicious. And I, just get to see all of these like little moments and sides and how, when he falls asleep, he makes this noise. And, and when we just watch him while he's sleeping and I'm reading. And then when I finally join him, you know, 
actually in sleep. It's just so cuddly and yummy. And I really feel like it supported our family in connecting. There are different avenues when it comes to safe sleeping. And I'm going to talk about the safe sleep seven in a little bit, but in the beginning, we were a little bit more cautious about having me in between my husband and the baby, uh, for safety purposes. And as, Oh, I got a little bit older. And as my husband got like more comfortable, we realized that, you know, my husband feels like a committed care provider and feels really confident of being aware of him in the bed. And there have been, you know, a few times where we're just like cuddled around the baby and it is like the sweetest thing of my life. Or, you know, I'll be leaned in with my husband and his arm will be over us. And just the three of us are spooning. And I mean, I I can't express to you how these moments feel like truly the yummiest moments of my life to date. Um, And I just am so grateful. And, you know, when we talk about moving forward, you know, what we want our sleep situation to look like when we have other children and, you know, toddlers, and we're thinking about probably building like a big family floor bed. And it just sounds so cozy and also just right. And, and so that brings me to point number three for us is it just feels right. You know, we, we had this conversation a lot during pregnancy around like what we wanted the sleep situation to look like. And it's interesting, you know, if you look around the world, it's not called bed sharing or co-sleeping. It's just called sleeping, right? There's a, a great Instagram account called co-sleepy. And she talks about how she was explaining on a trip to someone what she does for a living, which is run this co-sleeping Instagram account. And the woman was like, so confused. She was like, in Russia, we just call this sleeping. Like it's not anything special or unique. And all around the world, this is the norm. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, families slept together this way. I mean, I'm reading a book right now called the covenant of water and it, you know, takes place in India in the early 1900s. And she's sleeping with her babies when they're born. She's sleeping with her babies until they're 12 years old. This is just the norm. Um, and it, you know, we can actually look back at when that happened and it became like an elite symbol to have your child sleep separately, but it's only been in the past couple hundred years. And, this is what mammals do. I mean, all mammals sleep with their babies and it just felt really right for us. You know, if you are someone who likes to sleep with someone else, like if you like to sleep with a partner, why wouldn't our, like, why would our baby want to sleep alone? And that was something that really, you know, was interesting when we, Danny and I were thinking about it, you know, I was like, well, you could go and sleep upstairs, right? You could sleep in the spare bedroom and I could sleep with the baby when we were like trying to figure out just like what felt the right, most right method and safest for us. And he was like, but I want to sleep with you guys. And so it's just like such a natural thing for humans to not want to sleep alone. You know, I, I don't know if anyone has siblings who used to sleep in their bed you know, my siblings, you know, were always sleeping together and like to sleep on the floor in my parents' room to be close to them. And my husband used to sleep on the floor in his parents' room to be close to them because they wouldn't let him in the bed. And I think it's just a really natural thing for us to want to sleep close to each other. And so, you know, if my husband doesn't want to sleep apart from me, it felt just really right. Well, then like, well, probably my baby doesn't want to sleep apart from me either. And so we want to give him that opportunity. And as I mentioned before, we do have science that backs it up, that it, it's co-sleeping builds more resilient children and more, you know, people who are better at 
making friends later in life and who have better attachment styles. And I think so many people are shamed or afraid of bed sharing because of the opposite. They think that it's spoiling their baby or their baby's never going to want to get out of their bed. And, you know, every conversation I've ever had with a bed sharing mom who has grown children now, obviously that is not the case and their kids don't have issues with sleep. Um, and again, some of these Facebook accounts are, or and Instagram accounts are really interesting when they look at like sometimes the impact of people who have insomnia or issues around sleep or fear around sleep, having memories of being left to cry it out as a bed, you know, as a child, um, or being like in their own room when they didn't want to be. And so again, this conversation is not to shame anyone's choices, but rather just provide some insight into my thought process around why it felt so right for our family to all to just sleep together. It, it just doesn't feel right for me or for us to have Ohio sleeping separately. Um, and another thing I just want to say is, you know, the sleep training industry has become so big. First of all, it is a huge moneymaker sleep in general, baby sleep. I mean, how much money has any of these people made off of me? Basically zero, because maybe I've bought a few sleep sacks, which are like pajamas, which I guess I'd have to buy pajamas anyways, but you know, no bassinet, no crib, no sleep training course, no sleep consultant, all of these things. One, not only are they can be, you know, this is maybe a little cynical, but I think there's a little bit of it that is driven by capitalism for sure and greed. And I also think that it's just interesting. Like we, we feel like we need all of these, like we have to learn how to do a sleep training course or a sleep training consultant, or we could just let our baby sleep with us. And for so many people, I think that they end up needing these resources because they're not honoring what like naturally and biologically wants to happen. And for most people who are biologically honoring what they want, what baby wants and needs, they don't end up needing these services. Um, you know, like we could, when there are sleep regressions and there are all of these things that come up that it's just interesting to me that we have all these methods that go so against, I mean, for us, like a cry it out method was just never on the table. Um, it was never a consideration for us when we've looked at not only just like how that would feel, like I can't listen to him cry for more than 30 seconds without going to him personally. Um, but also just when I learned the science behind it, it doesn't feel right to me. Uh, you should go listen to my podcast with Greer Kirschenbaum, which is all about your men baby's mental health and sleep, uh, that really illuminates how cried out methods, do train a baby to sleep, but not in the way that you're thinking. Like it just, it's very uh, dissociative and causes elevated stress hormones and, and such. And so I think that like when people aren't sleeping though, like when everyone is sleep deprived, parents res resort to whatever they can do and then cry it out or sleep training methods feel like a must do for parents. And so for us, knowing that that never felt right, bed sharing was the very clear alternative to not needing to do something like that. So those are the reasons why we are loving bed sharing. We get more sleep and rest. The snuggles are just so yummy. And it's just what feels right for us in terms of biologically parenting, parenting, natural parenting of like, what would we do if we were born 300 years ago, or if we were dropped on an Island or just what feels right in our bones. Now, 
I got a bunch of questions about logistically how bed sharing works. And when people ask me about this, <laughs> I get this question all the time. When people find out he's sleeping with us, you know, they're like, wait, so like, how does that work? And I'm just like, oh, hi sleeps in the bed with us. That's it. <laughs> and in some ways I'm kidding when I say that, but not really. He just sleeps in the bed with us. And so there are the safe sleep seven, which we do honor for the most part. I'll explain a little bit more. Um, and those safe sleep seven are no smoking in the home or outside of the home, like no smoking around the baby. And that's something I'm very adamant about. The second one is sober adults. So not using alcohol, drowsy medications, et cetera, like both any adults that are in the bed are sober it doesn't mean that you have to be like completely sober in your life, by the way, just sober when you're in the bed. Like if you had a couple of drinks in the afternoon, but you're totally sober when it's time to go to sleep, that's a different story. Um, and then the third one is that you're breastfeeding. And this one, I will say like, not everyone in my, you know, the groups that I'm a part of on Facebook and like, you know, the co-sleeping groups, honors and they do okay. And they do fine. And so, you know, I am sharing what these safe sleep seven are according to La Leche League. There are other, if you go to the UK where bed sharing is very much more common and recommended because the government has the safe sleep seven. I'm not sure if it's the exact same safe sleep seven, but most of them are probably pretty similar. Um, and so when you are breastfeeding, this is also talked a lot about in safe infant sleep by James McKenna, there is a chemical and hormonal connection between the baby and the mom that is pretty insane and wild that helps mom be aware, even when she's sleeping of baby's breathing, well-being, et cetera. Also breastfeeding moms are more likely to keep the baby at breast level instead up of up by their head, um, which poses more of a risk when it comes to like pillows. So that's the third one. The fourth one is a healthy baby who is full term. So, you know, if you had a very premature baby or a baby who wasn't healthy, bed sharing might not be the best option for you. There is a really interesting book about how being with your baby, like contact sleeping, um, is really actually very supportive in health for preemies, but it might be just a different situation, um, in terms of how you would set that up. And then the fifth one is having a baby who is on their back and face up. Now, this, I will say, is one that we are not always compliant with. Ohai sleeps a lot on his side because he is feeding and then falling asleep. Sometimes he flips onto his back, but I am not like staying up and waiting for him to flip on, you know, to be done eating, to flip him on his back. I feel really confident if he is sleeping right next to me, that I'm very aware of what's going on with him and that him sleeping on his side feels fine to me. Um, and you know, the back to sleep campaign really promotes sleeping on their back, um, for, baby's well-being. So I'd say it's probably like for us about 50, 50% of the time, if he's on his back or if he's face up. And again, of course, this has to do with a baby who is not fully rolling yet because once babies are rolling, if they, you know, roll into their stomach or into a different position, it's typically okay. The next one is uh, no sweating. So baby in light clothing where they don't have a risk of overheating and no swaddling. 
So we have never swaddled Ohi to sleep. You want babies to have their hands and legs free when they are bed sharing with you. That is very important. And that's also how he signals to me, Hey, I'm ready to wake up. He kind of taps me or kicks me a little bit. Um, and the light clothing, I will say has been an interesting one for us. We've really had to play around with what he's sleeping in. I think in the beginning, like he was a little cold and we were, we're having to adjust that. And, you know, what I do is I just check his trunk and the back of his neck briefly when I wake up to feed him to make sure that he's comfortable. Um, our bedroom doesn't hold the heat of the rest of the house that well. So like, even if it's set to 69, I think our bedroom can be a lot colder than that sometimes. So we have been dressing him a little bit warmer, but you know, they are, if they're cuddled in with us, getting our body heat too. So we just do want to be mindful to not overheat the baby. And then the last one is a safe surface. Okay. And so this is a not, this one is really important. It's like not using a soft mattress. It's using a firm mattress, not having a ton of extra pillows and toys around no tight or heavy covers and having the space be clear of strings and cords and any gaps um, firmly filled. So like if there's a gap between your bed and the wall or your bed and the bedside table that risks entrapment to just fill that. And for us, we have a king size bed and Ohi and I get about two thirds of that bed (laughs) and my husband has the rest. And we actually don't have a firm mattress. And this was something that I was really stressed out about before we gave birth. And so what we have been doing, we have a memory foam mattress, which is like not great for bed sharing. Um, and so what we've been doing is we just use a yoga mat. So we put a yoga mat in between the sheets and that creates that firm surface. We are, we did order a new mattress cover from avocado that's like a firm mattress topper. It is taking forever to arrive. It's been very frustrating. Um, and I also ordered a bumper for, to go under the sheets to when, cause he has just started rolling to go on the outside of the bed to like catch him. If he were to, you know, if it took me a second to wake up and he started rolling and then eventually I think we will likely move our bed to the floor to prevent any sort of falling, you know, there are other options like mesh rails or these bumpers, but once they start really crawling, I think it just is a different consideration. Once they start crawling, you can also do like a sidecar crib where, you know, they are technically like in their own safe sleep space, but it is connected and at the same level and you can have them with you and then just like kind of push them over into the, um, into the more enclosed space for when it comes to crawling. And that's something I've maybe considered to just have as that extra rail when that is time, but I don't feel like we are there yet. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the logistics of it. So we use a yoga mat right now until we get a firmer surface is the yoga mat trip trick is also great for when you travel. So, you know, we were in Vail this weekend and, didn't know what the hotel bed situation was. So we brought the yoga mat and we definitely needed it. It was a very soft bed beds that have like the, uh, I think it's called tuft, like where it's like a, or like quilted, you know, where there's like a, an indent that's not ideal either. So like a yoga mat can be really supportive for that. Um, when you're traveling and it's an easy thing to just pop in the suitcase and, Then in the, a couple other things. Oh, here's some fun logistics. So for sleeping, I ended up buying a hug sleep, which is this great 
sleep sack for adults that I use to make me feel like I'm in a blanket and warm. So I don't use a blanket on my body. Danny does use the comforter, but he tucks it under himself. Um, and then I just wear warmer clothes up top. I did just order a sleep sack from this company called slumber sack that I'm really excited about. That's like specifically designed for bed sharing and breastfeeding and everything. Um, and unfortunately they don't ship to the United States. So I very fortunate, very luckily have someone in England who is receiving the package and then sending it to me. But if you live abroad, it's a great option. Or if you can find someone to bring it to you, the sleep sack from slumber seat sleep, um, looks to be amazing and it's a lot warmer. It's 2.5 tog. Um, and then I do sleep with a pillow above my, like uh, with my head. And then I sleep with a pillow in between my legs and I sleep in the cuddle curl position, which is the C curl position. And it's kind of like my arm is under the pillow. So it prevents, oh, hi, if he was to scoot up, he would hit my arm before he hits the pillow. And the same, you know, on the, the bottom side is I'm kind of like having him in this little curl position to protect him. And the cuddle curl is something that, you know, these Facebook groups and online Instagram accounts talk about a lot when it comes to bed sharing and how to make it more comfortable and all the things. And then once your baby gets a little bit older, it's not as necessary to sleep in that cuddle curl, but I do sleep with, you know, a, a pillow between my legs. I sleep with a pillow underneath my head. I don't sleep with a blanket currently, but I do sleep with my sleep sack. And then, um, as he gets a little bit older, I think we'll transition to using a lighter blanket for the both of us. But right now we're both in our sleep sacks. So hope this was informative. Hope this can provide some just information for you. If you're thinking about co-sleeping, it is bed sharing has been the biggest gift of parenting for us. Really. I can't speak to how wonderful it's been and how confident I do really feel in it in terms of safety and also it being what's best for our family. Highly, highly recommend safe infant sleep and by James McKenna. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. And if you have any further questions about my experience with bed sharing, please, please reach out. Um, you know, I feel very fortunate that I, in my home birth, you know, co-sleeping is kind of, I think, not maybe the norm, but very common, um, in the home birth community and my doula, you know, and my midwife both bed shared with their babies. And so it was, if anything, maybe encouraged or just neutral about right. When it was time for them to be like, okay, leaving you with your baby now, um, keep him skin to skin and chest to chest. Like, of course I'm going to do that with sleeping and, you know, visiting a friend came to visit and was like, where does he sleep? And I told her in our bed and she was like, wow, it's so interesting. She's a doula, but has primarily practiced in hospitals. And it feels like she's been very conditioned to feel like that was not safe because of the way that the hospital staff talked about it. And it's something she like really is trying to change her view of. And I really like, I, I have spoken about them a bunch, but I do feel like these social media accounts and Facebook groups can be so helpful for that. There's another social media account called happy co-sleeper, or she, you know, records a video of her daughter and her bed sharing throughout the night and what it looks like. And I feel like it really just normalizes it. And so highly recommend checking those out. Highly recommend, you know, looking at the information that you might be being fed, who's giving it, why is there an alternative to that information that is equally rooted in science? You know, when they talk about the SIDS risk, for example, 
it's almost 50, 50. It's like 56%, 40. No. Yeah. 54%, 46%. You know, it's very close to 50, 50 of babies sleeping with someone and not the risk of, you know, suffocation when you're following safe sleep rules is much minimized. Um, and it's just, yeah, highly, highly recommend checking out these resources because if, you know, a woman in one of these new mom group, I'm in a new mom's group that I'm really loving. And this woman, when she was learning about it, she was like, bed sharing is my dream. And it was hard for me to, because I was like, so then why don't you do it? Right. And I think that it's, just been villainized by a lot. And like a lot of people are too anxious to do it because they've been told that it's so dangerous, but instead I would love for women to feel really empowered to make a decision about sleep. That's not coming from a place of fear. That's coming from a place of confidence, whatever decision they're making. And so I hope that this information can help you feel more confident. I hope some of these resources can help you feel more confident in making a great decision for safe sleep for your family. And again, always here to answer questions. Reminder, this was not medical advice. And thanks for being part of the community podcast fam. We got a nice little nap out of Ojai right now. He sleeps in um he's sleeping on a in his Artie Pop carrier, which I'm also obsessed with. And I will share the link for that below. It's truly the best carrier of all time. It is a pricey, but it is so worth the investment. I wear it like six hours a day. Um and yeah, good stuff, friends. All right, talk soon. Bye.